Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I know it has been a crazy um, couple months and um, past due, I believe, for us to be back together. But um, I do appreciate your patience. Um, we, um, we've never dealt with a situation like this before. And I know we've said that over and over. And if you've watched our videos, you, you know where we stand on this. Um, um, as we've said from the beginning, there are some of us. Um, I, I've got messages and phone calls from many people. Some of your opinions are very strong on one side. Some of them are very strong on the other. I'm very opinionated on one side. And then Nick may be opinionated on... Uh, it's just we, we all are, are, are very opinionated people, right? You've got your opinions and you've, uh, you think that this is the way that... And I understand that. I understand the frustrations. I sympathize with you. Um, I hope you know I'm I'm not um, I'm not ill toward anybody. Uh, if you need to express your frustrations to me, come on, we'll sit down, we'll talk, and um, and we'll do that. But um, but know that we we did our best to sit down together as the leadership of this church and pray together first and foremost. Ask God to give us wisdom. You know, in um, in James chapter one, he says, "If any of you lack wisdom, what should you do?" Ask for it. And he said that God gives it generously, that, um, that, that He abundantly gives that wisdom. And so that's the very first thing we did every time we came together. We just sat down and we just asked God. We said, God, we, we don't really know how to respond to this, but we're asking you to give us wisdom. And then we would turn to the Word and we would look and see what it said in the Word and then we would try to, to follow that as much as possible. And so we're still trying to do that, but we believe that we're at a stage now that we can at least come together and do our social distancing still here. And it is my prayer, maybe in just a few weeks, maybe we're back to some kind of uh, sense of normal as far as church goes and the way we do things around here. Maybe. We don't know. We're going to play this thing one day at a time, one week at a time, and um, see how things go. If they keep going the direction they're going right now, I see no reason why in a few weeks we can't be back to, to some sense of normal. So um, y'all just be patient. Keep um, being kind to each other. You can express your opinion, but respect others' opinions too. And um, let's just keep loving each other until we, until we figure this thing out. I do want to say thank y'all for being dressed for service this morning. <coughs> I know, excuse me, some of you in the last few weeks of... Um, watching the videos, I don't know, you may not have even got dressed. You may have been sitting there in the couch on your underwear going to church. And I'm going to tell you, if you did that, I want to ask you to go ahead and repent this morning, <laughs> confess your sin before God, and get back to wearing clothes, all right? We need to get back to uh, at least that sense of normal anyway. So I appreciate y'all being dressed in here. I also want to ask you that um, if you've been talking during the sermon, I know some of y'all been chatting on the YouTube, and if you've been talking during the sermon, this morning we're not going to do that, all right? So um, if you want to say amen, I'll take that. I ain't heard some of those in a while, but as far as the, as far as the chatting back and forth, we're going to try to limit that as well. So we're going to get back to this way of doing things in church. But it is good to see everybody back together and having church the way that, that, that we're used to. Um, I love you all, and again, I just ask you to be be patient with us and um, and trust that even though we're not professionals in this, we know how to pray. 
we know how to talk to God and we know how to search Him out and just ask Him for the wisdom and make the decisions that we think are best. And so uh, just keep, keep praying for us and keep being patient with us as we work through this together. This morning we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are going to be in, um, starting in verse, let's start in verse 6. And we're going to go through the end of chapter 4 and read just the first few verses of chapter 5. I'm going to try my best not to be more than two hours this morning. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I got some amens. Well, I like that. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 6. And as always, if you have the means and you're able, thank you for standing and giving reverence to reading God's living and powerful word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's start in verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, and he's going back to a psalmist here, okay? He's quoting a psalm that um, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 116 verse 10. But he says, I have the same spirit of faith that this guy had, and here's what he said. I believe... And so I spoke. So we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And then underline these words if you have a pen. <coughs> So we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, then we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, 
longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage, and we know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You can be seated. I got a little tickle in my throat this morning, so y'all forgive me. I'm, I'm not going to get too excited in case I was to lose my voice, and I definitely don't want to lose it this morning. Today, I want, to, um, I want to talk to you about why we don't lose heart. You know, as um, Christians, we are going to suffer afflictions. As um, people in this world, not even Christians, we are going to suffer things like coronavirus, things like the flu, things like cancer. Um, there's always going to be some kind of affliction that we are going to have to deal with. You will never in this world be away from affliction. And as a matter of fact, as a child of God, as a Christian, the affliction is probably going to be even more. And the reason I say that is because we know that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He is going to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And he is looking to steal, to kill, and destroy and let me tell you something. It's not the world that he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It is people that are of supposed faith. This is the reason why the Bible tells us that our faith is tested. And so we know that Satan is going around and he's looking at individual Christians and he is trying to find ways that he can steal, that he can kill, and that he can destroy your faith. And so I want you to understand this morning that you are never going to be outside of affliction. You know, the reason I chose this passage of Scripture this morning is because if you'll notice, every, every so many verses that you read down through here, he makes a statement. He says, so we don't lose heart. This is why we don't lose heart. This is why we are of good courage. This is why we are always of good courage. Did you notice that as we were going through there? And the point is, is that Paul knows some things. He understands some things. I also stopped in the middle of it to put some emphasis on the part where he said, as the psalmist spoke, we have that same spirit of faith. What spirit of faith? The spirit of faith that says, I believe God. That's it. The spirit of faith that says, I don't just know some things, I believe it. It is in my heart, it is in my mind, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is true. And so it is my prayer this morning that as we examine this scripture, that you are going to be able to not just know some reasons why we don't lose hope as Christians, but that you will believe it. Because what you're going to find out is that if you lose heart in afflictions, now again, I understand, when bad things happen to you in this life, and I'm not just talking about coronavirus this morning, 
I'm talking about affliction across the board. I'm talking about a child gets sick. I'm talking about a spouse gets sick. I'm talking about you lost your job. I'm talking about you can't pay your bills. Your business is failing. Your whatever it is. I'm talking about affliction that comes your way. I want you to understand this morning, if you lose heart in those things, if you lose hope in those things, the reason is because you are not believing some part of the promises of God that He gives you. And so I don't want you to just know it. I want you to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, just like the psalmist believed, and because he believed, he spoke it. In the same way, we also believe. And because I believe, I speak it. And so I want to look this morning at a few, at a few reasons why we don't lose heart. I also want to uh, help you to make sure you understand this morning. There, there is a false uh, teaching going around in this day and time especially that says this. It says that if you are suffering affliction, then it must mean that God is against you. And then there is also a teaching that says if you are experiencing blessing and you are blessed in your life, then it must mean that God is for you. And I want you to understand that that is completely not true. That is totally unbiblical whatsoever. I want you to know this morning that if that were true, then God hated people like the Apostle Paul. Not only did He hate the Apostle Paul, He hated His very own Son, Jesus Christ. Because they were in no way experiencing great blessings in the physical of this world. They were in no way experiencing great um, riches and, and all the outpouring of blessing that we would look at and say, oh, the God must be for them. No, instead we would have looked at them and said, man, what kind of sinners must they be to experience what they are experiencing? And so I don't want you to leave here thinking that just because someone is blessed, that that means God is for them. And if someone... That's, that was the false theology that Job's friends had, right? When Job's friends come to counsel him, they said, oh, you must have sinned somewhere. I mean, look at what's happening. And this is what we're dealing with when Paul wrote this letter. In 2 Corinthians, when Paul writes it, he's having to defend his faith, he's having to defend his apostleship, and he's having to help them understand that, listen, yes, I do suffer. As Christians, we suffer greatly. But we're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not without hope. We're not, we, 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 we are still full of faith, still believing God, still serving God. And let me explain to you why, as Christians, we do suffer the afflictions that we suffer. And so this morning, we're going to look at just a few of those. First off, starting again in verse 6, I want you to notice just a little bit of the context here. He says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now think about this statement. When did God say, Let there be light? In the beginning, right? Was there light before God said, let there be light? What was there then? If there was no light, what was it? Darkness. 
And so all that was there was darkness. But God stepped in and said, let there be light. And what happened? Here is what Paul is saying. The same way that God worked that miracle in creation, He brought light out of darkness. There was nothing there but darkness. And He said, let there be light, and there was light. And here Paul helps you understand that this is the same treasure that God has given you and me as believers. If there has ever been a time in your life to where your eyes were open to your sin condition and where you cried out to Him in faith to say, God, I trust in what Christ has done for me and I, I want to be saved. If that desire has ever took place in your heart and your eyes have ever been open to that, it was only because God through His Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and here's what He said, let there be light. And there was light. Because let me tell you something, you have no light within you outside of God saying let there be light. There is only darkness in us. And so God has given us a treasure by opening our eyes to the face of Jesus Christ by showing us who He is. And so Paul says here in verse 6, the same way that God said, let light shine in darkness, is the same thing that happened when God showed you who Jesus was and He gave you the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He said, let there be light. And in your heart, there was light. And you have never been the same since, right? Everything has changed. You are now becoming a new creation. Are you still a sinner? Yes, you're still a sinner. But God is making you new day by day by day. He is renewing you every day that comes by, every moment that comes by. The more we look at the promises of God, the more we put faith in Jesus and what God has promised us in Jesus, the more light shines and the more um, we become that new creation that He has created miraculously inside of us. So that's the context of how we get to verse 7. So now look at verse 7. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of the knowledge of Jesus. The treasure of salvation. The treasure of light in the midst of darkness. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Anybody know anything about a jar of clay? What would happen this morning if I took a jar of clay and I let go of it and I dropped it on that floor? It'd break, right? And it don't take much to break a jar of clay. They are very fragile. Really, clay is originally made from what? Dirt. And dirt is originally made from what? Dust. And so it comes from the finest particles in this light. And God took the finest, most smallest particles, and He put them together, and He made these bodies, which are made from the dust of the earth, and we have this treasure of the light of the glory of Jesus Christ in these jars of clay. These vessels that are prone to sickness, these vessels that are prone to disease of all kind, these vessels that are prone to pain, these vessels that are prone to heartbreak, these vessels that are prone to tears. We have this treasure in these vessels 
that are jars of clay. So here's the question, God. Why didn't you just put us in new bodies whenever you gave this treasure to us? And here's where Paul has got to answer this. Because remember, Paul is having to defend himself because these Corinthians are saying, they're saying, Paul, there's no way God can be for you. Look at everything you suffer. Look at the whippings you take. Look at the prisons you've been in. Look at how many people want to kill you. There is no way that God can be for you. And then Paul comes in and he says, Listen, I have the treasure of Jesus Christ in me because God miraculously gave it to me. I don't deserve it. And we have this treasure in jars of clay. And here's why God does it. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So here's what Paul knows. And you have to learn this as a Christian. You don't come into the faith knowing this. It's something you have to learn. And unfortunately, the only way you learn it is through affliction. The only way you learn it is through tears. But it is in your darkest times, in these vessels of clay, that you learn this lesson. And it is in this lesson that you learn you don't have enough strength to handle the afflictions that come your way. You ever heard the phrase that says, God will never put more on you than you can bear? Did you know that that's not true? No, God indeed will put more on you than you can bear. Because the whole point is to show that when you do bear it, it wasn't you. But it is the surpassing power in you that belongs to God. It is the hope that God has put in you that carries you through. It is the faith that God has put in you that carries you through. It is the strength of God that He gives you. And that is the only reason. And so this is another reason why I have an issue with theology that comes out and tells you how strong you are. Let me explain something to you. It's never about how strong you are. You are made of dirt. And if God had not said, let there be light, there would be no light. If God had not said, let there be faith, there would be no faith. If God had not given you the strength, you would not get through the affliction. You could not say with Paul here in a moment, I have been afflicted, but not crushed. No, you would go through your trial and you would say, I'm crushed. I have no hope. I'm driven to despair. And that is not where any Christian should be. Now granted, do Christians have times in their life of these uh, periods of unbelief to where they feel this way? Yeah. And if you say that you don't, you haven't experienced affliction yet that will drive you to this point. But here's what I want you to know. If you are believing like Paul believes, and if you are trusting the way that Paul trusts, and if you know what Paul knows, you will not lose hope. You will always be of good courage no matter what afflictions come your way. Because again, here's the reason I'm preaching this this morning. If coronavirus goes away next week, Listen, there's another one around the corner. I don't know how many of you have seen it yet, but there's killer bumblebees flying around this place somewhere. 
Sharknadoes and everything else going on. There is always another affliction around the corner. Y'all know that, right? And so I want you to understand that this world is cursed. There's always going to be something. And so we have to understand that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in this body. This is a jar of clay. Now again, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that I'm saying that you be stupid and that you not be wise and that you not make good decisions. No, again, that's the reason why we got chairs spaced out the way we do and we're up here saying, hey, don't invade somebody else's privacy yet. No, there is a way to use the wisdom that God give you. But you need to understand something. We are not trying to run away from death. And if you are trying to run away from death, can I tell you a secret? You can't. If corona don't get you, guess what? Something else will. If God heals you from corona ten times, guess what? Something else is still coming for you. You may make it to be 20. You may make it to be 50. You may make it to be 80. Some of you may make it to be over 100. But let me tell you something. You are not getting out of here alive. Not in that body. There is a new body prepared. And so one of the first things that God, that Paul knows that God has promised him is that God has left him in a jar of clay for the very purpose of him being a light for the glory of God in this world. And so when God gives you the treasure of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the whole point is so that when the afflictions of this world come your way, when the devil throws affliction your way, and it don't crush you, it don't bring you to despair, it don't cause you to be forsaken. No, when you continue on through your tears and you keep trusting God, no matter what comes your way, if you're in the hospital on a ventilator with coronavirus and you still trust in God, that ain't your strength. That ain't you being strong. That's the trust and the faith that you have in the promise of God, the hope that He has given you. And in that, the world looks at that, and here's what they see. Read it again in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It is for the glory of God. I know none of you want to hear this this morning, but can I tell you a few things? Cancer is for the glory of God. Coronavirus is for the glory of God. The flu is for the glory of God. Sickness is for the glory of God. All the afflictions in this world that come to these jars of clay is so that when the world looks at us in all of this curse that all of us are in, the world looks at Christians and they say, man, they've got hope. They're not crushed. They're not, they're not forsaken. They still say God is with them. There's something, there is a light in them that is not in this dark world. And when we tell them where this light comes from, and when we proclaim why we have the faith that we have and the trust that we have, in spite of the afflictions, when we do that, they see 
that the surpassing power, and when it says surpassing, what does that mean? It's beyond you, right? It's not your strength. It's not your power. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It ain't for us to be holier than each other. It ain't so that because of the faith that Nick King has that it makes me look like, oh, ye of little faith. No, it's so that when the world looks at the faith that Nick has, the world and all of it is able to see that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It ain't for Nick to tote this thing around and say, look at the faith I have. Look at the trust in God that I have. What's wrong with all you idiots? That is not the spirit of faith that Paul's talking about. He's just talking about the spirit of faith that just simply says, hey, I do trust God. Even with my mask on, even using my wisdom, even putting that hand sanitizer on my hands. Listen, you may not have pumped no hand sanitizer when you come in this morning, but I pray you at least wash your hands after you wipe your butt, right? Come on, can I get real with y'all this morning? I mean, we all do that, right? And so, you're smart enough to do things like that in other situations. And so, don't look at somebody in this situation and say, well, they ain't got no faith because they put hand sanitizer on. Wrong. Wrong. No. But instead, you be safe. You be smart. You do what, what you feel like is best for you to do to protect this jar of clay. But you remember that if coronavirus comes, hey, God's still good. If the flu comes, if cancer comes, God's still good because I ain't getting out of here alive in this body no way. And I want my son to see, I want my niece to see that no matter what they face in this world, I have a God and I have a Savior that keeps my hope, that, that, that I'm not crushed, that no matter what comes my way, I'm not driven to despair. No, I trust God. God is still good. And that's the world, that's what I want the world to be able to see, is that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's number one of about ten. So let's keep going. Let's see what else we get. <clears throat> All right, he says here in verse 8, We are afflicted in every way. Paul, don't deny that. Yes, as Christians, we're afflicted in every way. <clears throat> not just coronavirus, not just sickness, not just colds, not just allergies. No, there's all kinds of afflictions that people in this room are suffering from this morning that ain't got nothing to do with the sickness of this body. Many of them. And so we are afflicted in every way. But listen to what Paul said. We're not crushed. We're not crushed. We are perplexed. In other words, perplexed meaning confused and we just don't understand sometimes. Do you understand every affliction that comes your way? When you're, when you're a child, I watched a movie this weekend. It's an old movie that Rob, Robin Williams played in. It's called Patch Adams. Anybody remember that movie? Patch Adams, good movie. And you know, one of the first things he does when he goes in this hospital is he goes into these children's sick bay. And I can't stand it. I can't take it. I, I just have to pick up my phone and start looking at something else because I cannot stand to see a children's sick bay. I cannot stand to see little children in there suffering from cancer and from diseases and 
my, my heart just can't handle it. I can't take it. And, and so one of the things that, that Paul says here in, um, in verse um, 9, or I'm sorry, verse 8, he says, listen, we're perplexed. There are things that we just don't understand. I don't understand that. I just can't, I can't fathom, God, why wouldn't you give, why wouldn't you give me cancer instead of that, that, that six-year-old kid? Uh, you know, why, why them? Why not me? There, there are things that happen in these afflictions that we are perplexed about. We just can't explain. We don't understand it. But Paul says here, even though we're perplexed, we're not driven to despair. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But you know what? I have hope. I still have hope. I still trust God. No matter what. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. I'm never, I, I'm never without God. I'm never alone. And then he says, we're struck down, but I'm not destroyed. In other words, you can kill this body, but guess what? You can't destroy me. You cannot destroy me. And so in verse 10 he says, we are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. So in other words, what we get here is that we are always carrying death in this body. Afflictions are always coming this way. But it is so that we can manifest the life of Jesus Christ in this body. So that we can see that even though this body is dying, our hope is alive. And the reason our hope is alive is because Jesus is alive. Our Savior is alive. And then verse 11, he says this, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So again, here's the point. The whole reason for these afflictions is that we can show them that we have Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have what? Everything. What can they take from you if you have Jesus? They can't take your life because your life is in Jesus. They can't, they can't take your health because your health is in Jesus. The devil cannot take anything away from anyone that is in Jesus. Can he bring affliction to this natural realm? Yes, he can. But he can't take anything away from you. And so it is very important that you understand that the surpassing power belongs to God. The glory belongs to Christ. And we are manifesting the life of Jesus in all of our bodies. Now since I've already explained verse 13 through 15, for sake of time, skip over with me to verse 16. In verse 16 he says this, So we do not lose heart. Y'all, this is so important. Because even though you're not necessarily suffering affliction right now, some of you are. But how many of you in your life have ever had a moment in your life to where you were at the bottom? Y'all been there? Anybody ever been at the bottom? Didn't know your kid's in a mess, your, your marriage is in a mess, your health is in a mess, um, uh, something, something, your job is in a mess. I mean, you just don't know how you're going to make it through this. You need to understand something. If you don't know these things and you don't believe these things, it's not going to be long. When that affliction comes, you're going to be crushed. Your faith is going to be proven not genuine. And it will perish just like the, the, um, the infirmities in the gold that rises to the top perishes. 
the same thing will happen to your faith. It'll prove to be unpure. So we do not lose heart in verse 16, even though Paul don't deny that our outer self is wasting away. He don't deny that. But we don't lose heart because our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now skip to me to verse 18. Look what he says. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, here for a very short time. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They last forever. And so our focus is not on what happens with the temporary things, but the eternal things. Do you remember when the uh, children of Israel were walking through the wilderness and they got sick of that manna? And they said, Oh God, why did you bring us out here in this wilderness to, to die eating all this manna and drinking this water? Back in Egypt we had fish. Oh, it didn't cost us anything. Back in Egypt we had uh, good bread and we had uh, good beans and lentils and we had all the garlic we wanted, all the seasoning. Oh, we had all this back in Egypt and it didn't cost us nothing. You know, here's the problem. They were looking at the temporary pleasures that were passing away and they thought it didn't cost them anything. If you go back to Numbers chapter 11, I think it is, chapter 11 verse 1 through 6, you'll notice the exact words they used was, we remember all that food we ate which cost us nothing. Do you know that the pleasures of this world cost you more than you will ever know? You think it don't cost you anything, but it's passing away and one day you have to give an account for it. Right now you are in slavery to it if, until God calls you out of it, but that's what they weren't doing. They weren't looking at what God was bringing them to. God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. God had promised them a land with fruit so big they had to carry it on poles to get it out of here to be able to see it. God had promised them a land that was plentiful and overflowing in abundance with all they needed, with more than they needed. And yet, instead of looking at that, they looked at the current journey in between, and then they looked back and they said, now see, that's what we miss. That's what we miss. When you have your focus set on the things that are temporary and the things that are actually costing you everything, do you know that we work our whole lives away for things that are perishing and turning back to dust? We give our lives to it. And here's what he's saying. Paul said, listen, I don't put my focus back on all those things. No, I look forward to the promises of God and I'm, I'm pursuing that, I'm going after that so that no matter what I miss out on in the current journey, I don't lose hope. Yes, this outer self is wasting away, but it's temporary. Yes, because I'm coming out of sin, I can't provide this outer self with the pleasures that I used to enjoy and I used to love, but it costs me everything. And so I am leaving all of that and I'm going toward what God has promised me. And if you keep your focus on what is ahead, on the eternal, 
instead of the temporary. Again, listen to me. Yes, you enjoy this, the, this body that's wasting away tells you all the time, give me this, give me that, don't it? It, it? it says, hey, give me, give me, give me. I want this, I want this, I want this. And a Christian coming out of that is actually telling itself no to those things, correct? Or it should be. It's saying, no, that's not of God. I want to follow God. No, that's not the way that Christ would lead me. I want to follow Christ. A Christian that's doing that is having to forsake a lot of those things because he understands it costs him everything. But even though this outer self is wasting away, Paul knows my inner self is being renewed day by day. And the reason it is is because I've got my focus on what God has promised me. And I don't just know it, I believe it. With all my heart, I believe it. My question is this. Do you believe... What Do I have to convince you this morning that this body is perishing? Anybody? I don't have to convince you that this body is going back to the dust from which it came, right? Anybody in here had to do any maintenance on your cars lately? What about on your houses? You ever have to do any maintenance on your houses? Yes, because... All of it is going back to the dust from which it came. All of this outer self is wasting away. But I put my focus on what God has promised and I believe it. I truly believe that God has a new body prepared for me with no pain, no sickness, no sorrow, no death. I truly believe that God has a house for me, a building for me, not made with hands. I don't have to pay electricity in heaven. I thought I'd get some shouts out of that. It was still wasn't what we're looking for. But hey, we're getting there, all right? Y'all coming out of this corona thing, y'all just take your time, all right? I don't have to pay water bills in heaven. <laughs> yeah. I love y'all. I, I don't have any of that stuff in heaven. All of it is wasting away down here. But up there, what He has prepared for me, he promises me that it will never end. It is eternal. My house will never need maintenance. My car, if there is one, I hope he's got a motorcycle prepared for me. God, could you please have... We'll call it a heavenly Harley. I don't care what you call it. Just, just I want one. So he's, I, he's, got, he's got things prepared for us up there. And I'm telling you, I put my focus on what God has promised me. I'm glad they had a top on it. He, put, he puts my focus on what God has promised me and I'm not just looking on the things that are passing away. You know, my wife don't know. Thank you. She might get laid off during all this. We don't know. We don't know. And, and, and she was talking to me about it and I said, baby, we ain't attached to nothing. If you get laid off and we can't do something, they'll come get it. They will. We ain't, we ain't attached to this thing. It's going to be okay. And she agreed with me. She didn't disagree. She said, you're right. You're exactly right. They can come get every bit of it if they need to. Now, we ain't going to just be that away and say, hey, y'all just come get it. We ain't paying for it. No, we're going to try to do what's right, of course. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not worried about all this stuff that's wasting away. It's going to be okay. Are y'all with me on that? My inner self though, let me tell you something. It is being renewed day by day. But only because I believe God. 
I put my focus on what He promises me and I believe it with all my heart. And that's it. That is what He says. And so that's the second reason we don't lose hope. Here, and I'll go through these last ones very quickly. Look with me at the next verse, or verse 17. Look at that. Paul says, here's another reason I don't lose heart. Because this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so here's again, I'm, I'm kind of bleeding over into the same one, but Paul understands there is a reward of glory waiting for me that can't even compare to the best Harley Davidson in the world. It can't even hold a candle to the nicest house you have ever seen. It can't even, it's like the difference between an atomic bomb and the flicker of a candle. As far, it can't even be in that range of comparison as far as the difference between the glory that God has prepared for you and what you, the best of what you experience down here. No matter what it is. And then he goes on and he says this, this affliction is two things. First off, it's light. Now look the way he makes the difference. The affliction is light. The weight of glory is a weight. <laughs> this thing weighs a lot. What God has prepared for me is a hefty thing. The affliction, I'm going to go on and say it. People that have lost children here, as bad as that hurts. I mean, we can't imagine that kind of pain. Most of us. Some of you can. I can't. But as bad as that would be, that affliction is light in comparison to what God has prepared for those who love Him. And not only is it light, that affliction is momentary. It don't last. It is for but a moment. You know, the Bible says life is like a vapor. Literally, it's here for a couple of seconds and it's gone. Guys, I'm 41 years old. Man, I can still remember right. I'm watching Austin in the campground riding that bicycle all over, all over that place, and I can remember being that kid setting up my ramps, doing my evil Knievel jumps, and uh, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of y'all. I used to be that kid, and it ain't been that long ago. And guys, it's not going to be long before my time is up. I am going to meet death, and it's going to be soon. And some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Your date with death is coming, and it is going to be here much quicker than you think. And so what we need to understand here is the afflictions that we have here, they're momentary. They don't last. They are like a vapor. They're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. Does it feel like forever when you're in it? Feels like it, but here's what you need to know and believe. It's not forever. It's momentary. God will wipe away every what? Every tear. He wipes it away. The affliction is momentary and it is light. Oh, i got so many scriptures I'd love to show y'all in that, but I'm not. Let's go to uh, verse... Um, let's go to uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what else Paul knows. I want you to notice that everywhere he goes. He says, we know, here's the reason, we don't lose heart, here's why. 
So every one of these are reasons. But he says here, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, what's he talking about here? The body, right? He said, here's what we know. We know that if this body is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Guys, if coronavirus or any other thing gets this body, guess what? There's one prepared for you that ain't made with hands. It's heavenly. It, it, it is one that God has prepared just for you. And I know this. And Paul said, I know it. I believe it. This reason I preach it. I speak it. I'm just like the psalmist. So I believe and so I speak. This is why I'm a preacher. Because I believe it. And then he says in verse 2, For in this tent we groan. Yes, in this tent there's afflictions. There's groanings. There is longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. And he's just talking about being floating spirits is what he means. He means we don't want to be naked. We want to have a body to live in. We actually want to be able to, to see each other and to, to have visible reflections of who Vance is, who Nick is. Well, maybe not Nick, but some of you. I mean, we want to be able to see who you are. So he goes on in, um, in verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, who has, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And look at verse 6. Here he goes again. So we are always of good courage. Are y'all with me this morning? We are always of good courage. We not lost hope. We don't lose our, our courage. And here's why. We know. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And look at verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from this body and at home with the Lord. Can y'all say that this morning? Do you understand that this is going away? Do you understand that you're not going to be here much longer? Do you understand that God has a weight of glory prepared for you that is beyond comparison to any glory you may experience down here? Do, do you believe God when He says, I have a house made for you that's not made with hands? I have a place prepared for you. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And I'm coming back to get you so that where I am, there you may be also. And so here's what he says. Paul says, yes, we're of good courage. And here's why. Because we would actually rather be away from this body and be at home with the Lord. I love, I love that word right there. I used it at Ms. Morris's funeral the other day. He said to be at home with the Lord. You know, I, um, I've been camping this weekend. We got together with some of our church folks and got to go to Davy Crockett and uh, just spend some time together camping and it was a great weekend, just enjoying good fellowship. But, you know, there does come a time, no matter how much I do enjoy it, it may be a month, it may be two months, but there does come a time where I want to go where? Home. And the reason why is because there is a serenity at home. There is a place at home that I just understand, it's where I belong. It's my 
home. Now, yes, it's hard for a lot of you to feel at home down here a lot of times, but at least you get a sense of what I'm talking about. And so one of the things I hear Paul saying is this. I keep my focus on what God has promised me, and I do not lose hope and you're driven to despair. No matter what these afflictions do, no matter what afflictions come, and they do come, but I keep my focus on these things because I would actually rather be away from this body and be at home with the Lord. Because there's no place like home. And here's what Paul understands. He's not just at home. He's at home with who? The Lord. He is at home with the Lord. Now I want you to think about your favorite person in your life. Whoever that is. Anybody, anybody got that in your head right now? The person that you wish you could spend every moment with. I mean, you, you just love being with this person. They are, they're, maybe they're the funniest person you've ever been around. Maybe they're the most compassionate person. Maybe they're just a good listener. Or maybe they're just somebody that just for whatever reason, you just love this person. I want you to understand that all of us have been made in the image of our Creator, right? And we are a cursed image of our Creator. We are sinners in the image of our Creator. So your greatest person, your greatest quality, the quality in a person that you love the most is still a cursed image of what the Lord is really like. Now imagine a person that every quality that everybody loves, humorous, kind, compassionate, listens, talks. Um, just imagine the, a, a single person with every quality at the most perfect, the, the quality that it couldn't be any more perfect than what it is. Imagine that person and you get to spend every day and every moment, just getting to know that person more and more and more. You are at home with the Lord. And Paul says there is no better place to be. And so here's my question that I close with this morning. I'd like to ask for Dale and um, Leanne to come on back up here. I just want to ask you this question. <clears throat> when affliction comes or it has come in the past and you lost hope or you were driven to despair or maybe you're in affliction right now and maybe your job is on the brink and maybe you don't know what's going to happen and you're worried and you're concerned or, or, or whatever it is. Maybe you're, you're worried about death. Maybe, maybe you can't say with Paul that I would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. Maybe you can't say that this morning. Then my question to you is very simple. Which promise of God are you not believing? And why don't you believe it? And maybe this morning you would come. Notice that Paul said, we have the same spirit of faith as the psalmist had. It's a spirit of faith. It's something that everybody don't have. And maybe this morning you recognize that you don't have this spirit of faith. And maybe this morning is the morning that you 
humble yourself before God. Maybe right there where you're at. Maybe in a, on the concrete up here or at wherever. Whatever. But maybe this morning is the morning that you cry out to God and you ask Him, God, give me the same spirit of faith that Paul has. Give me the same spirit of faith that the psalmist has. Because I don't want to be crushed in my afflictions. I don't want to be driven to despair when I'm perplexed. I don't want to be feel like I'm forsaken when I'm being persecuted. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm not crushed no matter how hard-pressed things get. No, I would rather be away from the body and I would rather be at home with the Lord. And I want to live the kind of life that shows the world that hope of Christ that is in me and I want my kids to see it and I want my family to see it and I want the world to see it. Because I know this is temporary, it's momentary, it's light, it's coming to an end. But what you have prepared for me is weighty and it's glorious and it is eternal. And I'm ready for it.